In today's episode, I want to talk about a theologian and mystic who lived about 700 years ago, but who still has three things that I think she can teach us today. Stay tuned. Hello friends, Pastor Tim Westermeyer here, Senior Pastor of St. Philip Deacon in the western suburbs of Minneapolis. Good to be with you as always. In our last episode, I lifted up a couple of well-known saints from the early church, Athanasius and Monica, St. Augustine's mother. And um, I was looking at that same page in the commemorations of our hymnal, and I saw another name who is remembered this week, and I kind of felt like I couldn't pass up the opportunity to say a few words about her. Her commemoration day in the tradition I'm part of, the Lutheran tradition, is May 8th. In the Catholic tradition, her commemoration or feast day is May 13th. Uh, this episode, I think, will be coming out right around the 13th, So, and we're taping it right between them. In any case, the person I'm thinking of is a woman named Julian of Norwich. Uh, she is best known for a very famous uh, passage of poetry from her Revelations of Divine Love, which is simply, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. Uh, but I want to lift up sort of three brief lessons from her life. She lived in the, um, what, early or mid-1300s to the early 1400s. She was a mystic, a theologian, and an anchoress. <clears throat> an anchoress is the female version of anchorite. If you look that up, what you'll find is that it means a uh, person who goes into seclusion uh, and lives in a, uh, a small room for the rest of, in, in her case, her life. Uh, I, I think she was able to communicate in some ways with people. People would come and they would have her pray for her um, and so forth. She is known as a author. Again, I mentioned the revelation of divine love and this is significant. She is actually, the, uh, that book, yeah, and other writings are the earliest surviving um, writings by a woman in the English language. So that's kind of a big deal. So again, three lessons or things we can glean from her life. The first is that women have always been a hugely important part of Christianity. And I'm talking not about the foundation of the church after Jesus died and was raised from the dead. I'm talking about Jesus' life himself. We could talk about a lot of the folks there, but if you look at Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 7, you will hear about Mary Magdalene, Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna, who we are told supported Jesus out of their own means. And we have strong indications from other places in the Gospels that there were a lot of other women among the disciples. And I mentioned this in my Easter sermon, actually, the women really do come off a lot better than most of the male disciples uh, when it comes to the trial and crucifixion of Jesus. They are far more courageous, they hang around Jesus, and they are present with him to the very end. So women have been there from the beginning with Jesus. You can move then to Paul. Uh, Paul also had females who were uh, strong supporters of the church, who were important leaders in the church. I will mention just Phoebe, Priscilla, and Aquila. You can read about them in Romans um, chapter 16. And it continues on and then eventually you get to someone like Julian. So I lift that up. And by the way, in this place, I have mentioned many more contemporary female authors who I am a big fan of. 
So it's maybe appropriate just to make that as the first point, that women are important, uh, critically important part of our tradition, and maybe on this week after Mother's Day it's appropriate to lift that up. Second point is that Julian actually um, lived through a really rough time in the world, maybe saying that, I, I'm not being flip about this, but maybe saying that is kind of redundant because it turns out the world has always had kind of a rough time going on. In our own life today, as we tape this, of course, we have a war going on in Ukraine that has caused famine in the world among poorer countries particularly. And of course, we're still struggling with the what we hope is the tail end of the pandemic. Well, guess what? In Julian's lifetime, there was the Black Plague. <clears throat> um, Actually, let's start that again. It was the Hundred Years' War. She was born after the Hundred Years' War started, and it was continuing uh, after she died. Uh, that war caused famine, and she also lived through, as many people did during the Middle Ages or the medieval period, the bubonic plague. In her own city, there were three outbreaks of the plague, and she herself nearly died. So that's simply a reminder that, um, uh, I think I did an episode about chronological snobbery a long time ago, that's C.S. Lewis's insight that we think we are more sophisticated and better and wiser and stronger and so forth than everyone who's gone before us simply because we live after them. As Christians, I actually think it's really important for us to connect to people who've gone before us because it turns out they've gone through things that are very similar, maybe not identical, uh, but very similar to the things we're going through and we can learn something from them. Just that last episode, and I wanna thank Brian for this comment, um, I got a comment on YouTube from Brian who said, thanks for introducing these saints to us. What I love about studying those who've gone before is that we discover no matter how much society may advance, core struggles and questions remain unchanged in this world. And I think he's absolutely right about that. Which means that we have this great reservoir of people who've gone before us, including Julian, who have something to say to us, who can teach us something. So that's the second point. She went through struggles that are similar to our struggles. Third point is precisely, well, what can she teach us then? I mentioned that most famous quote from her, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Without the context of the challenging life she lived uh, and the challenges of the world at her time uh, when she lived, that can sound like sort of a hallmark kind of naive sentiment. It was anything but that. She experienced, again, war and famine and plague and yet, still believed because of her faith that indeed all shall one day be well, that God will put all things right. And there's a lovely little story she tells, um, this is again from her writings about the hazelnut. And I'm gonna read this for you, it's not very long. In this, Jesus or God showed me a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut lying in the palm of my hand, as it seemed and it was as round as any ball. I looked upon it with the eye of my understanding and thought, what may this be? And it was answered generally thus, it is all that is made. I marveled how it might last, for I thought it might suddenly have fallen to nothing for littleness, because it was so small. And I was answered again in my understanding, it lasts and ever shall, for God loves it. 
and so have all things their beginning by the love of God. And then she concludes with this uh, few short sentences. In this little thing, this little nut that she held in her hand, I saw three properties. The first is that God made it, the second that God loves it, and the third that God keeps it. As one author points out, all of this, her theology, her mysticism, her thinking, is really an Easter kind of vision of the world. And we're still in the season of Easter, so it's appropriate to reinforce that. It's not a descriptive statement of now, as this author writes, but a hopeful statement of what shall be. It is in many ways an Easter declaration. There will be life, wholeness, peace, restoration. All shall be well. And I cannot agree more. And going back to those words of Julian on this day, I want you to remember that God made you, that God loves you, and that God keeps you. Thanks as always for being with me. Be well, stay in touch, and God bless. 